Welcome everybody to our Kingdom Link podcast. We are so happy that you're here with us again for another episode. And boy, oh boy, do we have a great episode for you today. One of us, I know I'm a little jealous, but one of us had the distinct honor of interviewing Bishop J.H. Osborne, who is a great man of God, the epitome of an apostle, and truly a foundation in the apostolic doctrine, who's here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'll tell you, when I'm jealous, I'm jealous. Dad, I know that was a great interview. That was a bucket list interview, that's for sure. It it was, and I was very honored to sit down with Bishop J.H. Osborne, uh, a tremendous man of God, and uh, he definitely is the epitome of what we talk about here at Kingdom Link about connecting generations. He loves investing in young preachers. And uh, I talked to him about the seasons of ministry and various other things about ministry. And I want to encourage you, you you probably will need to listen to this when you can write notes. Oh, yeah. uh, Or listen to it again, because for those of you that are preachers, get ready for some sermon ideas. Yeah, oh, yeah. For those of you that are students of Scripture, get ready. If you're a leader, uh, you're going to be blessed by what he has to say. So I'm really excited about sharing this interview with our listeners. Absolutely. So without any further ado, why don't you just sit down and enjoy this conversation that we had with Bishop J.H. Osborne. Today, Kingdom Link, you folks that are subscribers and listeners to our podcast, you are in for a treat. I'm so honored and blessed to sit down with a dear friend, Yes, but also uh, I count him a treasure to the apostolic mm-hmm. movement. Uh, he has blessed a lot of young preachers, a lot of us older preachers, and has ministered the gospel all over this country. He is an author, a sought-after conference preacher, and a friend to many a man of God. And I will tell that that that. I am excited. This is probably one of my bucket lists to be able to interview well, you okay. today. Okay. <laughs> we are glad to have Bishop J.H. Osborne on our podcast here today. Thank you, Bishop, for being with us and sitting down and having a conversation with me. Man, I am so excited. This has been something I've looked forward to ever since you brought it to my attention. You'd like to do it, and I'm glad it's finally came around. It's my pleasure. I'm honored to be able to speak and uh to try to be an encouragement to someone, help someone along the way. We all need some help along the way. You break down on the highway, it's good to have some help. Yes, sir. And uh, you wonder if you've got enough resources with you, and you can't have too much, you know. No. Some people don't even know where their spare's at. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure where mine's at. <laughs> I haven't checked it lately to see if it has any air in it. Or not, you know, so, yes, sir. Uh, it's always great to be able to to be with Brother you know, Gail, my friend. I, I, I was re- reflecting on the way, on the drive up here, I was reflecting on some of our Let's Talk conferences that yeah. we had. Yeah, man, we had some they were fantastic, some fantastic yeah. moves of God, yeah. and and yeah. how I would love to do something like that again for uh, ministers, particularly in young ministers. Sure. Sure. And here at Kingdom Link, our our theme is this: leadership only matters if it's passed on. Yeah, and sure. so we are are really wanting to pour into. Not just young ministers, but yes, primarily young ministers, so that they're better equipped right. to right. make a difference. And so today, 
uh, we want to just talk about ministry seasons. Sure. Kind of what going through seasons yeah. of life. And the first thing is that there's a lot of guys that seem to really struggle with knowing their calling. Yeah. How, 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 what would you say to that young man that is uh, struggling with knowing his calling? Well, let me give you an example from the Bible. I think it's a, I think it's a, a little, it's a little convoluted, but I think we can make it work and maybe bring some light to the subject. It's kind of a dark subject, but we bring some light to it. You know, in the book of Acts, the uh, second chapter, there was a question asked by those that had heard Peter preach. Just a four-word question. It wasn't a complicated question. Right. All of them single syllables. You don't really right. have to have a thesaurus or look them up. You know, they had four words. What shall we do? Very uh-huh. simple words that are not uh-huh. they're not words that you don't have to learn the Greek or Hebrew or anything. Any else. education <laughs> exactly will get you to that point. It's just four letters and they're all single yeah. syllables, you know. Right. And some of them are just two letters, you know. Right. What shall we do? Very very uncomplicated, a very uncomplicated question. But it has a lot of weight to it, you know, because yes. they realized that they needed to do something after they had crucified the Lord of Glory and Peter had preached to them and told them what they had done. Is mm-hmm. there something we can do to rectify this? What can right. we do right. because of what we've done? And that is the question most people have. Since what I have done, I'm convicted of it, mm. what shall we do? What yeah. can I do about my past? What can I do yeah. about it? So Peter opened his mouth. Now, if I ask you to write a sentence that would be good for all ages, all cultures, all colors and creeds, mm-hmm. from time until there is no more time, right. for every continent, for every person that would be born on the face of the earth, give me one sentence Mm-hmm. That if they would obey it, would save them, regardless of where they came from, who they were. For all, not talking right. about men and women, you don't need one for this culture or that culture. Don't need one for this race or that race. Just one single sentence. Got two commas in it. Yeah, it's not a complicated sentence. And Peter spit it out like he had been practicing. You know, <laughs> now if I had to go home and write a sentence like that. I would have to sit down and think about it a while, you know, and if come you to told something. Me write, write five paragraphs. Yeah, like, you know, I might could do that. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, I'm to, talking about one sentence. One sentence, one yes, sentence to ask a, a it's a it's a three word question. Right. And you got to write one sentence that will satisfy that. That if they will obey it, it will save every man, woman, and child that will ever uh-huh. be born from that moment on. Yeah. And Peter didn't even have to think about it. He just opened his mouth, and he used 29 words to answer a four word question. Okay. It has two common sentences, one sentence. It's not a complicated sentence. Right. You read right there in Acts 2.38. It's an amazing what God gives a man that's ordained that he doesn't have to really study for. It's like Peter just spit it out like it was he'd been practicing it. He had been rehearsing it. He'd been going yeah. over time and time again. Now, if you ask me that question, I'd have to sit down and there'd be wadded up paper laying every place. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. That'd be okay for the United States. It's not going to be okay for the, the jungles of Nigeria someplace. It's going to be okay for this person, right. but not for that person. Right. It could be too masculine or it could be too feminine, you know? Mm. To one sentence, two commas, for everybody. that will satisfy everybody. If they will wow. obey it, it will save them from sin. So he used a 29, it only takes seven seconds to say it. We have to preach for hours, you know, <laughs> to get people to believe it. Yes, sir. Because people believe the bad news, like Hezekiah. He believed he was going to die. But he said, well, you're not going to die. I'm going to have 15 years. He said, prove it. Well, you don't have to prove the bad news. People believe that right <laughs> yeah, on the back. Yes, but when yes. you get good news, it takes a long time because you have to prove it. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why I have a job. If people would believe the good news, it only takes seven seconds to yes, tell you, you know, yes, in 29 words. So yes, to answer a forward question, what should we do? That's the right. question people have on their minds when they come to the church. What shall we do? Something about the anointing and the unction of God that helps to answer that question. 
And, and it was amazing uh, on that day that he preached that sermon. 3,000 people were added to the church. Yeah. And it's a 29-word verse, 29-word yes, sentence, you know. Yeah. But they believed it and obeyed it, and God added that there's a contrast to that, though, that will prove whether you have a genuine anointing or not. For uh, In Acts the 28, in verse 23 and 24, it's about the Apostle Paul. When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him. They were the, 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 the chief of the Jews came to Paul at his lodging, the Bible said, to when he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them uh, concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses, Old Testament, because mm-hmm. Paul was very, he was very uh, knowledgeable concerning the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and he knew how he knew those he knew those laws, and he knew how to apply them to your life. Right. So he took he took the Old Testament and expounded the Old Testament to them, gave them information how to explain it, out of the law of Moses, out of the prophets, and he did it from morning. To evening, yeah. He started out early in the morning talking to these chief Jews, and went from morning to evening because Paul was notorious for preaching quite a while. You know, when yeah. he got the floor, he wasn't going to give it up very easy. You know, people <laughs> fell asleep, fell out one fall loft, out you know? Yes. So he went from morning till yeah. night, morning till evening, and then the Bible sums it all up and says, "And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not." Mm-hmm. He couldn't even. Paul couldn't even get everybody. You know. He'd preached 29 words and got 3,000. <laughs> he preached from morning till night, and some believed, and some believed not. Some believed, and some believed not. Yeah. You know, so, that's a struggle in ministry. Oh, yeah. When you, when you, oh, sure. you feel like, oh, sure. I have the truth here, yeah. and everybody ought to have received it. Yeah, and Paul, the, and Paul's the man who called it the third heaven. He saw things unlawful to be talked about, you yeah. know. I mean, he had, he had been around, and he knew. He, yes. he had experienced a lot of things. Yes, sir. And yet he could not convince everyone. Uh-huh. Even from morning till night, taking about the Old Testament, trying to get them to understand this Holy Ghost revival that had transpired, you know, and how he had gotten the Holy Ghost, his testimony. Yeah. And yet, when it was all said and done, he got ready to dismiss people, dismiss people. some believed and some, some believed didn't. not. And that's the most you can hope for in your ministry. You will not get everyone. You know, that's not something you hear on on the modern yeah. circuits sure. of church growth. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You're going to get multitudes, and there are some churches just open their doors and, and people come flogging in, you know. But mm-hmm. that doesn't happen very often, generally speaking. It's a lot of work. Right. It's a morning till night. Right. It's a it's a it's a it's a evening verse that you that you're giving. So you can look at Peter and his ministry, and he answered a four word question with twenty nine words, you know, three thousand. Got three thousand. You know, wow. Paul preaches. From morning till night, <laughs> and some believed and some believed not. Yeah, some people just didn't believe it. You know, they just walked away, still shaking right. their heads. I don't believe anything he said. You know, and Stephen preached the same message. He got stoned. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing the effect that your ministry has yeah. on people. And uh, so if you're in this, if you're in a position to thinking that everything will go right with your life and you're going to get everything you, you, you want, you know. Uh, and people are going to fall at their feet, and they're all going to sing, oh, come, let us adore him. You know, that's probably not going to happen. You have to be able to deal with the fact that your ministry, the best you can hope for is that some will believe and some will believe not. Wow. So you cannot base your experience on numbers. You know, and I think that that is a, a, a pill that, that we've swallowed that if, you know, if I have a lot of numbers— yeah. And yeah. I'm successful. Sure, 
Sure. If I don't, yeah. then I'm not successful. Yeah, I'm not successful. That's not a Christ model. No. That's a secular model. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I believe in counting numbers, and I'm sure. glad that people will count sure. folks that, that are saved and everything like that. But, um, well, uh, I think it, I think that's it, an it's awesome a, way it's, to look it is at a, it. It is, a, it is a fact, though, that that you will not get everyone you speak to. No. You, I have a saying, you got to kiss a lot of frogs to get a prince. You know, and, you, and not everyone turns into a prince. Some are still frogs, you know. Yes. You, you can kiss them all day long. All you've got warts on your lips, you know. You don't have a lot of princes. You don't get a lot of princes out of it, you know. Yeah. Work yourself to death and uh, yes. preach. There's an example here that I wanted to give you that I think is very important for young men to get a grasp on. You know, woman bear a son, she called his name Samson. The Bible said the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. Uh-huh. You know, it were fixed occasions that the Spirit of God moved him. There were places of opportunity. There were seasons of great promise and great potential yes, in, 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 in Samson. There were periods and in, in, in seasons that were between the times. He didn't mm-hmm. stay anointed all the times. He didn't stay miraculous all the times. Right. There were seasons and there were times when he performed greatly up to his calling, you know. Yes, when the Spirit of the Lord, the Bible said, would come mightily upon Samson, he would fulfill his purpose and his calling you know, he killed a lion, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him as a young lion. Didn't have anything in his hand to kill him with, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. He just slew him with his bare hands, you know. Wow. And there were a thousand Philistines came upon him. He picked up a job over an ass. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It didn't matter what he had. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. You could have a styrofoam cup. He can kill a thousand Philistines with Do it, it. You know, yeah. a job over an ass happened to be there, so that's what he used. Right. You know, so he killed a thousand. But it was called the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, you know. So he broke the cords of the Philistines, the Bible said, because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. Yes, sir. But let's face it. It said it was at times. At times. At times. Yeah. The Spirit of God came upon him to perform some miraculous event. It was just at times. It wasn't all the time. He would just go around day in and day out committing all kinds of wonderful, uh, spectacular uh, feats, you know, and filling up to his potential and his, because the Spirit of God only came upon him at times. But there was some between the times mm-hmm. that the Spirit of God wasn't upon him mightily mm-hmm. that he had a horrible time living for God. So true. And let me say to you as a young man or a young lady, there will be more between the times than there are at the times. Can you, can you just say that again? That's such a powerful statement, and, and I, want, I want people to catch that. All right. There will be, you will live your life many more days in between the times than at the times when the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Now, mm-hmm. learning how to live when the Spirit of God comes upon you is not a difficult thing to do. No, sir. You, you feel up to your, you're up to your, when the anointing of God hits you and the Spirit of God is yes. upon you mightily, you will do as God has called you to do. Yes. But the problem with that is, it's only at times. And then you'll have to learn how to live between the times. Between the times. Because Samson could never learn between the times. One time, he's, the Spirit of God's upon him, he's doing mightily. The next time, he's at a heartless house. He, he can't deal with between the times. Mm-hmm. Oh, when the Spirit of God would lift off of him and church is over with, right. and you walk out and get in your car and go to the restaurant, can you still live for God between the times? Or when you preach and you're like Paul, some believe and some believe not. When mm-hmm. more believe not than believed, and now you're between the times, do you still keep your chin up? Do you still believe God? you still trust God? He's going to do what he said he would do? You must learn how to live between the times because yeah. most of your life will be lived there. And and we're so geared to think that we, 
you know, we have the power of the Holy yeah. Ghost yeah. and we're going to be yeah. Yeah. overcomers and we are. Be. Yeah. Yeah. But being an overcomer can also mean that in your season where you're not under yeah. that heavy anointing. Right. Yeah. It's not you, saying you, you don't have anointing. Overcome. You're just not under that. Right. That heavy. God move upon you mightily. He's yes. mightily. He's, he's yes. doing things. You know, he's, I, could, could we even stand? Physically, if well, you God. probably would not live over a couple of months, you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ had all power in heaven and earth. If God would give you that all power in heaven and earth, wow. you wouldn't live six months because you'd feel like you had to be at the airport with every body bag coming home, raising them back to the dead, giving back to the family, every nursing home, every hospital. You'd feel like you're obligated to do that, to raise up, every, go to every funeral and, and, and stop the hearse and raise yeah. the man up again and go to the hospitals, all the dying, all the sick and afflicted, raise them all up. Jesus had the power to do that. But you know what he said? Let's come aside and rest a while. Man, While he's powerful. resting, Bartimaeus is still begging by the side of the road. But the Lord said, I'll be mine a couple more days. He heard him to beg one more day. The one with the issue of blood is losing blood. She has issues losing blood. He said, well, she can press through the crowd tomorrow. I'll be there. She can still press. She's still got a dollar and a quarter and one more doctor. So. <laughs> one more doctor's visit. <laughs> one more doctor visit. So she can press through the crowd yes, tomorrow. Jairus' yes, daughter, she's 12 years old. And. And she may die, but I'll resurrect her if it comes to that. So, you know, to be able to rest a while and come aside uh, is important in your life. But knowing, I think, is most important that you learn how to live for God and be faithful to God and dedicated to God between the times. Between those times. Because you live more of your life there than you will anywhere. I wish it was not so, but it is. It is. It is absolutely so. And I, I understand completely what you're saying. It's in those seasons uh, that you go through where you're between the times. You still preach when yeah. you don't feel it. Right. You still pray when you don't feel it. Exactly. You you, you still love people even when you don't exactly. feel it. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's, I think that's a true sign of a calling. Yeah. Yeah. When you can handle between the, anybody can handle the anointing yeah. and the power, spirit of God's on you mightily. Right. You know, that right. that's not a difficult issue no, in sir. your life. It's something, but... When you're in between the times, you don't feel anything, you don't sense right. anything, you know. You're like Job, I looked on my left hand, he's not there. I looked on my right hand, he's not there. I looked behind me, he's not there. He's going through a season. Yes, he you is. Know? And it's not a it's not the spirit of God's not only mightily either. He's he's losing now sure. instead of gaining. But living for God in those times will characterize you as to whether you can have a real anointing on your life. It doesn't have to be a mighty, miraculous anointing. It's just the anointing of God that gets you through between the times. Don't you think the the quicker that a, a called person, a minister of the gospel, can learn that yeah. truth, the easier it will be to yeah. overcome in those times? Well, I think so. I think so, Pastor. I think getting that basic lesson down that Samson was not Samson did not fail when the Spirit of God came upon him. He did not fail one time when the Spirit wow. of God came upon him mightily. But he finally laid his head in the lap of Delilah. And he didn't even know the Spirit of God. Because no. when God leaves your life, he'll shut the door so quietly that you won't even know it's closed. He didn't even know wow. God was gone. Yeah. You know, when somebody's angry or mad, they slam the door, you know. Yeah. He's never slammed the door on anybody. He walks out so quietly that he rose to shake himself like times past, you know. And wow. say, if you couldn't live for me between the times, mm. I will not let That's you That's a live. challenge. Yeah. That's a challenge to every man sure. of God today is that learn to live yeah. in those moments. Yeah. In between, even moments of of you know, like I'm, I think I should be at a certain place of ministry, a certain yeah, level of ministry. Sure, well, learn to live in this time. Uh huh. Learn to live yeah. in this moment, yeah. 
And uh, if we don't understand the seasons, yeah. these moments you're talking about, uh, we will fall into great temptation, right. I believe. Right. And I think that, right. that that is such a powerful lesson to learn. Jeremiah, you know, he, he lived for God all of his life and never had one convert preached. Nobody ever, no that is an life. interesting statement because that's the same Jeremiah. The Lord said, I give you dominion over the nations. Yeah, I'll make your head harder than theirs. I'm going to give you authority over the nations. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have one convert. Yeah. Oh, that my head waters my eyes, yes. a fountain of tears. Then when I weep for my people both day and night. Yes. Then he said, oh, that I had a place in the wilderness for wayfaring man so I could get away from these people. <laughs> you know, so he wants to get him a motel room someplace. One day he's weeping over, the next day he wants to get away from them. <laughs> you know, what, what is that that, that uh, Linus said in Peanuts? He said, I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. They can't stand, yeah. You know, people that yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, that kind of leads us into the, the thought of how do you know when you've arrived to that moment that God's called you to an assignment, yeah. to a place? Because a lot of times there is, like Moses, the 40 years mm-hmm. between being called, as it were, because he felt that enough yeah. to kill somebody yeah. over it, and being sent. Yeah. You know, well, when you know that I'm at my appointment, mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, the, the prior to, to, to the Vietnam War, they were they were the, there was a draft going on. They knew they were going to need young men, and so there was a there was a number they gave you according to your birthday and according to your health and according to. And I had we had a young man in our church that uh, this has been years ago. I wasn't pastor then, but he had a young man in our church, and uh, his his the pastor was his uncle. Okay. And he did not want him to go to Vietnam. So he got him a minister's license. So wow. it would exempt him from going to Vietnam. That young man, that has been probably 60 years ago. Yeah. And that young man has never had any measure of success in his life since that day. He, he's on his fourth church now attending him and his family attended four churches. He's never found his place, mm. never found the niche he's mm. to fulfill. Because, as it were, his grandfather called him and got his minister's license for him. He thinks he should be ministering. Wow. And yet, he really doesn't have a ministry. But he's never happy. He's never content because of that, in my opinion, that he feels like he should be you know, in 60 years, he should be preaching somewhere. Yeah. But he goes from church to church, him and his whole family. This, they're on their fourth church now. And, and they're never happy, never satisfied. Now, I'm not saying he'd been better off to go to Vietnam, but giving a, a young man his minister's license throws a veil over his life yeah. that he cannot compete, he cannot yeah. fulfill, he cannot fully function in that because it was given to him for something other than the true calling. Yeah, the true calling of God. It was given to exempt him. And I understand the passion that comes from not wanting your grandson to go to Vietnam. I get it. Yes. But you'd be better served to give him bad feet or break a toe or something. I don't know. I'm I'm not saying to do that. I'm just saying, but to get him a minister's license and make him believe 
that he really now has a, a ministry. Something was planted. Yeah, in, in his, his heart, mind, that has never heart. been fulfilled. It's never yeah. been, never been done. I think about the misery that comes from young men who didn't have a genuine, no way out of it kind of calling in yeah. their life. I remember, I remember when God put a call on my. I didn't want to do it, obviously, to begin with. And I think a real calling on God, from God, is not something that you covet. It's no. not a job among other jobs. Yes, like, sir. I thought about being an electrician. I thought about being a plumber. I thought, but no, I think what I'll be as a minister. It's not one It's not one among many. It is a separate calling from God yes. that, that eliminates everything else in your life. You'll never be happy doing anything right. else. It's right. woe in me if I preach not the gospel, as Paul said. So I think this whole thing, you know, well, you know, the Bible said unto one, he gave five talents to another two, to another every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. So it is, it is a calling from God that it's according to your several ability. Everybody has a different ability. Right. You simply have ability. It doesn't, doesn't mean you don't have an ability. It's just there are several abilities, and God recognizes that when he gives you a calling. You have the ability to do this, or he wouldn't call you to do it if you didn't right. have the ability to do it, you know. And some men, like, it came to pass when David was come to the top of the mountain in 2 Samuel to worship God, Hushai the archite came to him with his coat rent earth upon his head, unto whom David said, If thou passeth on me, then thou shalt be a burden to me. But if thou return to the city and say to Absalom, I'll be thy servant, O king, thy faithless house, then mayest thou for me be a defense and a counsel to Ahithophel. So he said, I'm not going to take you with me because you'll be a burden to me. Yeah. Now, if you go back, you can be a servant we hit the pill. Maybe you can frustrate what he's going to do and try to kill me. So uh, it has nothing to do with good or bad. It has to be in your place. You're either a hindrance or you're an asset. Mm. You know. And he said, if you come with me, you'll be a hindrance. I don't. It yeah. crushes. I'm sure it crushes because that's sure. what he wanted to do. You know, right. I want to go with you. I'm, I'm ready to go. I've got ashes on me. I'm throwing dirt on my coat. I'm, I want to be in the same place you're in. You know. And he said, you can't go with me. Can't go. You, you'll be a burden to me. But if you do mm. this. You can be an asset to me. Yeah. So between a burden and an asset is a calling. You know what, mm. what you're going to be. You know, that, that, uh, that is so powerful because sometimes when you, have a, you feel like you have a call on your life, mm. you think that God's going to immediately put you into that promoted area mm. or to that assignment mm-hmm. of what that is. Well, then you, you could be a burden. Yeah. Because it's not timing. Yeah. It's not the right timing. Timing is everything, yeah, in uh, your life. So to me, if I'm truly called, if a person's truly called, they're going to be a blessing in whatever area yeah. they are yeah. until that assignment Absolutely. comes down the pike. Absolutely. And just just being a blessing and serving. Your identity as a as a man of God has got to be deeper than your calling. Yeah. It's got to be, I know who I am. Yeah. Jesus, the, yeah. you know, the they came Satan came to Jesus and tempted the very first thing he said was, if thou be the yeah. Son of God. Yeah. Do you know who you yeah, are? Yeah. And he said, He questions that, yeah. I know who I yeah. am. Yeah. And many times Jesus said that. Mm-hmm. I know who I am. I come from the Father. I know why I'm yeah. here. And when you learn your personal identity, because if we wrap our identity up in our ministry, we're headed for the day when that ends. Mm-hmm. That season of ministry may end. Yeah. Well, then does my identity in mm-hmm. if I'm a pastor and I walk away from pastoring, mm-hmm. I'm no longer pastoring. Then, then what is, where's my identity? Yeah. 
And so the identity has got to be in my relationship with Christ, right? First and foremost, right? I think when Jesus, the first test, when he said, "If, if thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread." Well, he could have done that. It would have been because every stone looked like a loaf of bread after he fasted. You know, it don't <laughs> yeah. take much to quit your appetite when you've been 40 days and 40 nights. You've been fasting. So, but he could have turned that that stone yes. into a bread and satisfied his own hunger yeah. with one desert meal. But he chose to make bread the expensive way. And that oh, is the seed's got to fall to the ground and die. Yes. It's got to be cut off out of the living. Yes. It's got to be taken to the mill and ground. Because the Bible said bread corn is bruised. Yes. So if you're going to feed other people, then there's going to be some bruising along oh, the way. I love that. He has to put him in, he has to cut off out of the land of the living, has to be taken to the barn, has to be thrown in the air and get all the chaff and everything away from it. Then he's taken home and put in the and put in the oven and baked with heat. Then he's taken out and he becomes the bread of life that feeds a hungry world. If Jesus could have made himself one bread and satisfied his own fleshly appetites, one desert meal, but he chose to make bread the expensive way. And every preacher must make his bread the expensive way, not a cheap bread. You can make cheap bread very easily. Man. But if you make expensive bread, yes. bread corn is always bruised. That's what the Bible wow. said. If it's going to be bread that someone can, you can't eat it off the stalk. No. You can't eat it like that. It has to be bruised, has to go to the mill, has to be ground, has to be mm. put in the oven, has to be baked. That's powerful. Then you get a loaf of bread that you can feed. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life that cometh down from heaven. And I made it the expensive way. I uh, gave my life to become bread. Oh, Jesus. He didn't circumvent the process. No. He stayed. Because that was the idea of Satan. I can, I, can, I, can, I can keep you from going through what you're going to have to go through. I'll give you what you want. I'll give you the nations of the world. Yeah. I'll give you a late worship me. I can stop all this process of crucifixion, of, of, of spitting on you, plucking your beard, yeah. plucking your beard, having to carry that cross. Being, I can get rid of all of that out of your life if you just make some cheap bread. Cheap bread. Wow. That, that's, that's powerful and so rich. And I think that goes contrary to the modern-day concepts of ministry yeah. and the quick road to success, the quick road to, to uh, exaltation. Yeah. And there's only a few, yeah. in my opinion, that have been able to handle that, yeah. that quick sure. uh, oh, yeah. rush yeah. and rising right. star and shooting star. Yeah. And then uh, some, sadly, it goes to their head. Yeah. But uh, what a great example and message that Jesus gives us to to follow. Yeah. Your assignment, fellow minister, yeah. is worth the process. It is worth it. It is worth it. Well, I think a, a misplaced man leads to discontent, and which leads to instability, which leads to rootlessness, which leads to shallowness, mm. which leads to backsliding. Mm. Understand, it's not a lack of talent, a lack of ability. You're just out of place. And when a man's out of place, he hurts himself and the church. Man, that's so true. So true. Lord, I want to be in place. Yeah. I want to be in place. And uh, sometimes that, that takes a long time. Yeah. You know, Jesus, yeah. like, like you talked about yeah. Jesus and his life, yeah. He, we, we have no record of him healing anybody, yeah. resurrecting anybody. Yeah. He could have done it at 13. Yeah. Could have done it at 15. Yeah. But he didn't. Right. And he yeah. also told his mom, said, when it comes to 
hey, turn right. turn this water into wine. Yeah. And he said, my hour is not it's yet not come. come. Yeah. And and uh, he understood timing yeah. and process uh-huh. when it comes to ministry. Yeah. And uh, I've witnessed that in my own life. Sure. It's timing and process. Yeah. A lot of the things that I've been through in yeah. ministry was really me going to school. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I went to school where that our school colors is black and blue, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, to get to the point where yeah. you want to, where you really want to be is yes, serve where you yeah. were, but don't get caught up in exempting yourself from the process. Yeah. I, I believe that pastor. I, I, in my own life, I did <clears throat> that. I, my dad owned a service station. And he had it for 36 years. It's the only job I ever really had. It pleased my kids to know that I actually had a job. And I didn't just preach all my life. I didn't consider that a job, you know. So anyway, and I went I went to Purdue and I was gonna take I was gonna take four years and two years. I took uh two years of physics, two years of two hours of physics, two hours of chemistry, two hours of technical report writing, two hours of of uh, of uh, English composition, two hours of Algebra, two hours hours of industrial electronics, and two hours of physics. And uh, when I got out of school, I went right back to work at the service station. Mm. And I hated it. I hated every minute of it. I fixed tires. I wore out three cast iron tire changers, manual tire, no air to them, manual tire changers. There was not a tire that left that service station didn't have my tears on it because I knew I didn't want to be there. Yeah. That's not what, what I... God called me to do. I didn't, I didn't really know what he called me to do, but I knew that wasn't it. You know? I knew it wasn't. But I had no way out. It's my dad, you know, and I didn't feel like I had a way out. I couldn't sure. quit him. I was the only help he had, you know. And uh, the day I told him I could not do it, any, well, I'd already passed for 12 years. I told him I couldn't do it any longer. <laughs> he turned the key in the door and never went back himself. But I remember sitting in a recliner, one of them plastic ones. It was one of the first came out. It's light tan. Well, that's called pleather. Yes. Fake leather. You know, yeah. it was just really linoleum or something. I don't know what it was, right. but it would make you sweat. I <laughs> laid in that. I laid there in recliner and I didn't want to preach. I didn't want I didn't want to preach. I didn't know I knew yes. the consequence that once you confess it, you can never get away from it. You'll always be backslid if you don't do it. So I didn't want to do it. I laid there, I don't know how many hours till I was just soaking wet with sweat. I finally told the Lord, I'm gonna to decide tomorrow. And and he wouldn't let me get up out of the out you need to decide what you're going to do with your life now. No. So I finally conceded, and I gave in to him at that moment, you know, and my life would never be the same. But I did all that preparation, spent all those years, you know, college and learning industrial electronics. Which I can't even plug a light in now. I don't even have to change the light bulb hardly <laughs> now. But all that time yeah. that I spent writing, actually, you know, yes. technical report writing, English composition, everything. We didn't have keyboards or no computers or anything. We didn't have a calculator even. Had to figure it all out longhand, you know, and write it all. Right. But that served me very well. All that I did, my dad taught me how to treat people fairly. That's what he taught me, how wow. to treat people fairly. So you were and going I, to school over a tire. Going to school changer. all that time. Exactly. Weeping, crying my eyes out because I didn't want to be there, you know. But all that time, I was really, I was really, as you said, in school teaching, my dad teaching me how to treat people fairly. Yeah. Be fair with them. Yeah. I was, he taught me so many things. He never sat down with me and said one word to me. He's like, let me tell you something, son. He never told me anything, you know. He used to, he, he believed in time out. He'd take time out to whip me. That's about it, you know. So, yeah. Anyway, but all of that, I look back up on it now in hindsight, and I see teaching. how it helped me. 
yeah. and prepare me not to get involved in something that would distract me from right. what God was going to call me to do, you know, because right. I could have very easily gotten out of school and went another direction, you know, right. but he brought me back to the service station huh. I'd just gotten out of, you know, and that whole system looking back on it, you know, it's hindsight's always 2020 as they say, but I didn't see it at, t- at the time. I didn't see it. At no, the it's time. hard to see no. in the moment of the process right. that you're going through, uh, that equipping, that training. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think everybody goes through it. Depend is not necessarily the length that matters until you're ready yeah. for whatever it is that God has for yeah. you. It's that that process between the the calling mm-hmm. and the sending. Right. I, I'm going to put mm-hmm. you in that place. Right. And it is frustrating. Mm-hmm. It, uh, is. Well, it, it is. is very, very well, frustrating. It is. It's there's a lot of questions being asked about. Am I in the right place? Where should I be? Yes. What should I do? Yes. How do I know? You know, sometimes you just have to weather that storm. Yes, sir. And and because uh, no storms ever lasted forever. No. I don't know if it's a tsunami. I don't care how big it may have been. <laughs> it does not last forever. Even the flood yeah. didn't last forever. No, 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 it can't last forever. It's going to have an end to it. Yes. There'll come a there'll come a ceasing yes, to it. And uh, you just have to weather, get between the times, you know, <laughs> between the times <laughs> yeah. and the, hardships and struggles come in the in those seasons. Yeah. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the value or the importance, talking about getting to your place and knowing your place. Talk to you about the value and the importance of ordination, being ordained. You're Okay, you're called. Ordination is kind of like the, the next level yeah. uh, of that part of the calling. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that their ordination seems to be less valued today than it was when I was a young minister. Uh, what what are your thoughts about that? Well, it is ordination, and I've been a participant in a few of those. Jesus said this, and I think it's, a, it's not in accordance with that, but he still said it to let us know something about this process. He said in John 15, 16, You have not chosen me, uh-huh. but I have chosen you. Uh-huh. So this is not something you choose to do out of a lot of other options that you right. might have had, you know. Right. He said, I choose and ordained you. He mm. said that you should go forth, that you should bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. You know, during the normal way of life, I guess, for, for a young man or a young lady, you pick out what you want to do. You pick out, you know, what you feel you're kind of gifted at, you're interested in, you right. have some knowledge about it. You kind of look at it. You watch it. You read a couple of books about it. It's paleontology or you're going to be a brain surgeon. Whatever it is, you you have a lot of options out. Because it's always said, you can be anything you want to be in America. You can mm. just be anything. Just, just, really? If you'll follow your own, yeah. if you'll pull your bootstraps up and work at it, you can you can be. So it, it's like a choice. Do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be a dentist? Do I want to be a welder? Do I want to be an airplane mechanic? Do I want, what, what, what do I want to do? You know, with my because you ask children sometimes, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, yeah. they want to be a policeman or a fireman or cowboy or play football or whatever. You know, right. there's a lot of options open to you living, especially living in America. You have a lot of options open to you. 
And uh, so you choose. Finally, you'll have to settle on something. You'll have to come right. down, hit the ground somewhere, you know, and uh, about what you're going to do with your life. And you go, and then you pick out a school that can you choose a school that can help you achieve that, achieve goal. that goal. You know, if it's going right. to be a dentist, there's IU Dental College here. If you want right. to be a doctor, there's an IU Medical Doctor Center here. And uh, if you want to be whatever you want to be, you can pick out a college, choose a college that will help you achieve that goal. Then you can choose. Your, your your professors courses you're going to take you know to to bring you to that point to where you now have accomplished and you have become dentist doctor fireman please whatever you want to be but in this occasion the Lord said you did not choose me mm-hmm you did not pick me out of all the other mentors. Right. You didn't say, I think I'm going to follow. Because that's the way you learn in those days. You had someone you wanted to follow, kind of right. like an apprentice. You know, right. you follow them, and they would teach you. And you could listen to them and watch them how they did it, shoeing horses, whatever. You'd, 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 you were an apprentice. But Jesus said, you didn't pick me out to follow me. No. To become like me. You didn't learn you. this by choosing me. But rather, I chose you. It'd be like a college calling a young man saying, I choose you to come to this college. So I don't know whether I want to be that or not, you know, because right. usually the boy gets to choose what he right. wants to be and where he wants right. to go to college, you know. But Jesus said, that's not how this works. This whole ministry thing doesn't work like that. No, I have to choose you. Yeah. And if I choose you, I will ordain you. Mm. And I will send you forth, and you will bear fruit, and your fruit will remain. So this whole thing about ministry is not about you chose that for your vocation, mm-hmm. is the fact that the ministry chose you, that God chose you. You did not choose him. Certainly, yeah. I did not choose. I didn't pick it out of everything no, I wanted to be, you know. there's right. I was geared in another direction, you know. But somewhere along the line, you can't explain it. It sounds presumptuous to even kind of bragging that God would choose you. Right. I have no idea why God would choose. And the Bible said he had taught for two days. Prior to this, taught for two days. Taught all the mixed multitude of people out here. They come from all over the country, beyond Jordan, in Jordan, Tyre, uh, all the countries around about. It wasn't just a city. This was a whole complex aggregate of people that were out there. He taught all day long. Evening time came. He picked out 12 whom he would. Mm. Whom he would. He, would. he didn't say, everybody would like to... Go with me. Raise your hand. You know, <laughs> right. it wasn't a choice. It wasn't like, like, is it okay? Right. You know, do you have time? Are you going to go home? Are you, do you have a hotel room? Yeah. Can you stay with me a little longer? You know, he picked out twelve whom he would. Whom he would. No hand raised. No, no acquiescence. No. Yeah, I'll go. Nothing. He just picked out twelve. Took them on a mountain, mm-hmm. and there he talked to them that night and ordained them. Mm. And so. God picks out whom he would because you don't choose him. He chooses you. Right. That, and puts this calling on your life. And quite frankly, if you chose the ministry, if a person goes out here and says, well, I choose to be a minister. I choose to be a pastor. I choose yeah, to be yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'd question that person's sanity. Exactly. You need to take some kind of a cognitive uh, examination, you know, to find out you, you've got an imbalance somewhere. Something. Your bubble's a little off center here. Anybody would choose Nobody that. Nobody picks this thing. No, no. Because they... You know, they're looking at this like, you know, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. If, if you do, then something's out of balance. Exactly. Exactly. You, you have no comprehension of what you're buying into here. That's you right. No thought. Because most people, you know, Pastor, most people have their work cut out saving themselves. It will Ooh. take everything you've got to put your feet on gold, yeah. much less say, give me 
50 more people mm-hmm. to put their feet on gold. Because yeah. you've got everything you can do to keep your own feet on gold, you That's know, right. and to make your own self ready for the rapture of the church. Who in their right mind would say, <laughs> give me a bunch of people over here yes. that are hard-hearted and uh, stubborn and, stuttered and, and rebellious and, yes. and full of sin and don't know what they're doing and just like drugs. And, you know, and let me help put their feet on gold. Yeah. If you had a brain in your head, you would understand I have all I can do. And to keep myself in shape. Just read Paul's bio. Yeah. Shipwreck. Yeah. Night and the day and the day. Deep in perils, perils of the deep. Yeah. Perils, perils of the countrymen. Yeah. You know, it, that, that to me is, is Paul's bio <laughs> yeah. of, of ministry. Yeah. Not, yeah. Instead of him now, being Jump the, on board with me. You know? It's going to be a great trip. <laughs> it's going to be a Disney cruise. You know, it's going to be I'm gonna have a great time. Mm. Now, wow. There again, but God hides that from you in his mercy. It is. He hides it from Because if he showed you everything you're probably going to have to go through, how bad this bread corn is going to be bruised. But he picks out whom he would, yeah. and he ordains them. Now, yes. that ordination cannot be transposed to the 12 and say, I'll pick out my replacement, you know. Those yeah. 12 didn't get to pick out their replacements. They were ready to go. No man gets to pick out your replacements. God chooses every time whom he would, and uh, he ordained them in private. I think But there are times in a public display of the ordination that you confess in it's like a wedding, you know. Yes. I guess you can get wedding in a in a closet someplace if you wanted to, you know. But you start making those vows in front of God, in front of people that 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 document your life right. as to what you're going to be and what you're going to do, right. and where you are, what your life is going to be like, and the pledge that you're making to this commitment of of ministry yes. is a is a whole nother out in the open audible confession and declaration about the purpose you have in your life. And I think and that's it, I why think it's, it's so dangerous to give somebody license or call somebody, yeah. somebody being grandma called, grandpa called, I don't know, mama called, daddy called, or yeah. whatever the daddy case called, may be. Yeah. And, and or just feel like I'm called. I, I've watched people that, you know, I feel called to preach. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. Five years later, I feel called to preach. Yeah. No, I don't. You know, it's yeah. it's wishy yeah. on and off. On you know what? Off. Chances are you're not called to preach. <laughs> There's a good chance of that. It's a good, a chance. very good chance of that. And and, and yeah. you're not going to be happy until you say, okay, well, I've called called to do something else. Yeah, I've got yeah. a ministry for yeah. something else. Yeah. There's a common epitaph I was going to mention in here. Maybe I don't know if you think it's time for it or not. Go ahead. About. Go ahead. You know, a young man, and it's hard to reverse if you don't get it right. Okay. Some things you may be able to back up on or revamp or redo or or improve upon. Many things in your life perhaps will be like that. If you buy something, you don't like it, you know, take it back or wait to get some more money and go buy what you did like. You know, you can fix it. Right. There's some things that are not fixed. And one of those things is when you decide upon the person you're going to marry, mm-hmm. this is not fixable. This is not something... If you found out you made a mistake, that you can just rectify that very easily, you know, without marking your whole life right. with it, you know. And, it's not uh, like changing cars. No, it's not like, well, you know, I want an electric car now since gas has come up. You know, <laughs> uh, few people will impact your ministry more than your wife. It's the truth. They're never neutral. They're always either an asset or a liability to you. Mm. You know, because ministry is one of the few, very, very few 
callings and jobs where a man has to take his wife to work with him. Mm. And she sets before you, and she either validates your ministry or she repudiates it according to how she lives her life. Now, a doctor doesn't live in it because a doctor could be a good doctor, have a horrible wife, you know. Yeah. She could be a drug addict. Right. I never asked my doctor, what kind of wife you got? You know? <laughs> I never investigated his wife. Yes. A judge can exercise jurisprudence and send you to jail where his wife may be a shoplifter. Yeah. You know, she may be a thief. You don't know. what, But he, it doesn't keep him from exercising his job, you know, and nobody asked him, what about your wife, Judge? What does she look like? How come she's never in? But if you had his wife sit on the judgment bar with him, you could look at her Boy, and know be, something I'd about be her. A game changer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be, it would hinder his ability. Sure. You know, when I sit, when I'm flying on an airplane, the pilot's up there piloting the plane, his wife's sitting over here beside him, you know, and she's arguing with him and fussing with him and carrying on. I want him to be in a good humor, you know. Yes. I don't want him to just have a spat with his wife yes. before he gets on that plane and got suicidal thoughts in his mind, you know. Yes. So he doesn't have to have his wife, and we don't even know anything about his wife. No. But a minister today, especially today, people will ask, what does his wife look like? Wow. What kind of a wife does he have? How That's does a lot of pressure for for the spouse. Oh, yeah. That's a lot yeah. of, uh, because it is the truth. Yeah. It's a, it's a package deal. And she has the weight of that without the calling directly. Exactly. And that, exactly. that is, you know, you and I are blessed to have yeah. wonderful, lovely exactly. wives. Exactly. And, and any success that I have in my life is just because God tethered me yeah. to a good woman. Yeah. A good, yeah. faithful uh, yeah. woman of God. Mm-hmm. But yet... I can make through some things, and yeah. I can deal with some some of those downtimes and yeah. some of those moments where the yeah. anointing yeah. is not there. But I, I, you know, and some may disagree with my theology here, but they do it without that anointing. Yeah, well, they don't have a pulpit. Right. They can get up and take it out on. You know, yes. I'll preach about Mary exactly. and her <laughs> rebuking Moses. You know, or right. whatever. I, I can have a pulpit. They don't have a pulpit. They don't. And no. if you don't defend, well, you get off on another subject, but. But, you know, it, when you're getting ready to marry, you better be sure that you have picked, you can't go by looks and shape and form and being charismatic. You better look at her and, 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 and young lady, you better look at the man. Does he pay his tithes? Yes. Is he faithful? Is he dedicated? Yes. Does he not get on his phone during church? Is he, was, is he complimentary to the pastor? Does he seem to love people? Does he pray people through the Holy Ghost? I mean, you can't answer every question. You can't dot no. everything about a person's life. But you can get some of the basic tenets that you're going to need if yes. you're going to marry that girl and you have a ministry. Yes. And she's going to be part and lot of your ministry. You can't yes. separate that. You can't say, well, she's not like this and she don't come to church very often because she has a lot of, well, I'm not going to say, she has problems, you know. She, she don't come to church very much. And I hear it said about evangelists all the time, where's his wife at? She never comes with him. I never That's see her. So you know? true. I never know where she, oh, she had a headache. She must live with one because I never, never I've never seen her. You know, I've never seen your wife. Well, today you there's a lot of evangelists don't exactly. even travel with their wives. Exactly. And I think that, that that's a sad yeah. uh there was a common incomplete absolutely there's process. a common common epitaph that um, um a certain woman cast a piece of millstone upon a, a, a Bimelech's head all to break his skull. 
That's a bad woman here. That's a bad woman. Then he called hastily to his young men, his armor bearer, and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me, that men say not of me, a woman slew him. Mm. I don't want anybody to still put on my don't put on my headstone, a woman slew him. <laughs> I want a man woman. to slew him. But yeah. it's a common epitaph. Because when you look at the the thus fell the first man, Adam, mm. Eve mm-hmm. slew him. Thus fell the strongest man, Samson, Delilah slew him. Thus fell the most worshipful man, David, because Bathsheba, Bathsheba slew him. They'll fell the wisest man, Solomon, who had many wives. But, you know, he married everything that come along, you know, nearly concubines and wives. But he never named one of them. He never gave one name in, in the Bible about you any serious? of his wives. I don't think I've ever paid attention yeah. to that. Well, all those women, but he never really genuinely ever loved any of them that would give them wow. a name, that would ever name who they were. Wow. He just... Well, he married him for his own security because he married. They were all princesses, so he knew the kings would never, would never invade him because he had their daughters married to their daughters. You know, yeah. so it was a thing of convenience it's for his own, yeah, own protection. Yeah, protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but thus fell the most gutless man, Ahab. Jezebel brought him down. Mm-hmm. Thus fell the most egotistical man, Haman, because fell brought him down. So don't let it be said that a woman slew me. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted to be. He it was. Had a skull busted open. He wanted a man to slay him because he didn't want to ever be said a woman slew him. So it's a common epitaph, though, of the power of a woman to slay a man, even though she's the weaker vessel. Yeah, She can bring a man down. So you need to be very careful about who you marry. If you have so a true. Well, it doesn't matter. Have a ministry. If you're going to have a ministry, you know, she, she's, she can't be neutral. She's either going to no. be an asset or liability. There's no neutrality no. in this. She can't just, well, she's just a good woman. She. She's got to be an asset to you. And whatever you preach, she has to live. Because if she don't live it, nobody will believe it, even though you preach it. Mm. That's so good. So good. And, you know, uh, I've, over the years, watch as there would be um, couples with great potential. Yeah. Great possibility for ministry. Uh-huh. But because of their marriage being a wreck. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, however that looked, yeah, they would lose all influence in the in their in the community yeah. of that they're ministering in. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to maintain integrity. You know, uh, I've I've had I've had some a young man here at our church same way. Wife was a she was a she was a great Sunday school. I mean, she was amazing in Sunday school. She just raised twelve hundred dollars for for the selling candy for the for the, for the Sunday school. Just, just an amazing worker, but she had a holiness problem, mm-hmm. and I, I addressed it a couple of times with her, and, it, and, and she continued. She stopped, but then she continued. So I told her husband, who was a minister here, I said, you know, I didn't pick her out of the world. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose her. You did. Mm-hmm. Have you talked to her about this? I mean, I can eliminate this once and for all, but she's your wife, and you should be willing to be man enough to deal with it, you know? Yes. So they always want the pastor to deal with it, and the pastor didn't pick them out. Right. You know, three and a half billion people on the planet, and you picked yep. her out, yep. but you don't want to say anything to her? You know, you're like, you're like. <laughs> like Adam being yeah. quiet while yeah, Satan's you want attacking me. his yeah. wife. You want, me, you want me to deal with it, you yeah. know? I didn't I didn't marry her. I have no vow to her. I have no commitment to her. You know, yeah, you want me to yes, deal sir. with it, you know? So he said he'd deal with it, and he, and, but he, and he did, and it was okay for a while, but then it started right back in again. I called him in my office, 
And I told her to get her books in order, get her checkbook in order, and, and I was dismissing her from her position. She got up and slammed the door and went out, and, and he said, I know that woman, and this is not over. And it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> over. But here he could have dealt with it back some time ago, but didn't. Yes, no, he didn't. wanted... I always want somebody else to deal with the problems. You know, mm-hmm. that's not my job. No, my job is trying to put your feet on go. I'm not here to get you a better job or how to help you balance your books or. Get... Anyway, it happens. Well, and, and I think and, and, again, things like that. If if a person has a relationship, a spouse that is detrimental to their ministry, then they have no reason to say, "Well, I wonder why I'm not being used yeah. by God." Yeah. It's detrimental. You know, we have to qualify. I know that the Lord qualifies the call. I understand that. But there are times we've got to qualify our own life Mm -hmm. as vessels. Mm -hmm. I use the analogy in teaching about uh, ministry and things like that. Like like we are a tree, and that we are a fruit tree. The Bible speaks about Mm -hmm. bearing fruit. We're to produce fruit. Fruit is the byproduct of an overflow of sap, the abundance of sap to sustain the tree. That tree grows to make sure its bark is healthy, its leaves are healthy, its limbs are healthy. Mm-hmm. Nobody comes to a fruit tree because it's got good bark. No. They come for the fruit. Yeah. But I think sometimes we get so preoccupied with the fruit we're trying to produce mm-hmm. that we forget, is our is our bark healthy? Yeah. Is is our limbs healthy? Yeah, the root system good. is the root yes, system yes. good. Yeah. Is is this is the you know? Am I able to sustain this overflow mm-hmm. of sap? Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 people come and pick it and then they leave. Yeah, and and that's the way the ministry is. Yeah. Is that? But if my tree isn't healthy, mm-hmm. the fruit's not going to be healthy. No. And then eventually I will shrivel up and die right. and not be able to produce the fruit that I yeah. need to be. But I don't maintain my healthiness. Because somebody's come to pick my bark, mm-hmm. but they come to pick my fruit. Yeah. That's the byproduct of that. Yeah, that's good, Pastor. That's good. Man, has there ever been pressure during this time yeah. on pastors, yeah. on leaders, yeah. Yeah. on uh, men of God that are working, ladies of God that are working in a in a capacity? So, moving forward, mm-hmm. what's your thoughts about? Helping us be better yeah. Yeah. in the post-COVID culture. Well, I know when we when the when the pandemic hit, and we had to close churches down and stop going to church, and we started live streaming and, and getting on Facebook and what have you, and 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 putting our services online. It changed the whole concept of going to church. You know, it did. People sat at home yeah. on their couches, their pajamas, eating ding dongs, drinking coffee. You know. Yes. Watching you up there preaching to an empty church or mm-hmm. what have you. you know it was hard on preachers not to have any response, not to have any feedback. You know why right. to kind of keep you going. You know, and uh, your, your sermons, your sermons, generally speaking, got a little less passionate because there was no instantaneous gratification from it that it was it, that it was affecting anybody or anything. Yeah. You know because you couldn't see, and uh, that was that was a that was a traumatic experience for most pastors you know we had to learn a whole new way of having church it was not just some minor tweaking or adjustment we had to learn a whole new way of doing it you know yes sir and uh, i was out of church when out of ch- at a church when uh, a, a man had a 
he had a pretty good congregation, and I preached for him. And there was as many people sitting in their car in the parking lot as there was in the church, dressed up to go to church, but they wouldn't come in. He had to go mm. out and take an offering out of the people in the church, welcome them all, wow. shake their hands, because they wouldn't come in because of COVID. Wow. Dressed up, neckties, kids all dressed up, sitting in the car, but would mm. not come in, parking lot full of people. So he had to have two. They were listening to it on FM. Okay. So but wouldn't come in. You yeah. Know? So he got about as many people in the parking lot as he's got in the church. Right. And he wouldn't. So his whole dynamics of, of what he was doing was split, you know. It was right. like a schizophrenic kind. I got this going on over here, and I got yes, that sir. one in the parking lot, you know. Yes, sir. I got this kind of stuff. So it was all that all that stuff that, that, that posed a whole new paradigm of how we're going to do church, you know. Right. And, and now that, now that uh, I think the, the COVID and the, the pandemic part of it, I think, has decreased to a level that most churches are pretty much back to Coming what you consider yeah. normal. But I don't know how, I wouldn't say most churches, but I would say I think many churches lost some people. Yes, During that transition period yes, of sir. going from sitting on your couch and watching or laying in yes, bed sir. to coming, getting up and getting dressed yes, and driving back to church, some people just decided they would just as well stay at home and watch some service, if not yours, some right. or watch yours even on Somebody online. Else. You know, right. we shut ours off. They're going to do it because we're people staying home to watch it. You know, yeah. it was our people it should have been in church. You know, and uh, so we just we stopped it. We started back up again. We stopped it to give a little pause to it to make you think. Get it's over back. to coming yeah. back. Now you have to be creative. Yeah, Come on. you're going to have to find ways to bring a little more excitement, maybe to to church that would cause people. I'll tell you what we did. Just just we had our first one the other day. There's a brand new Culver's restaurant down here, right down the street. We just, okay. just built it. So we were in there eating, and. Uh, uh, pastor went up and talked to the manager and said, would you mind if we had a Bible study here in Culver's? She said, man, that would be great. We'd love to have you come and have wow. a Bible study here. So they set a whole section of their their eating area off and gave it to us for Bible study. So we went in, and 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 the people were so excited to get to come in. And, and Ben taught a Bible study there, and people were listening at the other tables, you know. That's the awesome. man got up with his child to come over. And uh, and then after that, after we had the Bible study, we ordered food and we and we all ate at fellowship there at Culver's. Yeah. It was a little creative. Probably wouldn't have done that, but we're trying to get people to want to come back and fellowship, want right. to be a part of things, you know. So we're yes, going to do it every other week. We we have Bible study. We'll have Bible study Culver's, then we have church next Tuesday. We'll have Bible study Culver's. I don't know how long we'll do it, but it it worked very well because people held their babies and come and stood and listened. Sure. And held their children because you know, I've I've seen people have maybe a table full of people with, with Bibles or something they're talking right. about, and right. everybody's I'm listening, find out whether they're right or wrong or not. And I say, <laughs> boy, that ain't right, right there, you know. <laughs> and uh, but people tend to, and it's non-threatening, you know. Right. We're not we're not going to flood the place with with flyers and all this kind of stuff. Eventually, but they were very receptive to it. Was I was amazed. We took up a lot of room. You yeah. Know? Sure. And. and they gave us this whole area where we pushed wow. tables together and set all around the parameters of it, you know. Wow. And uh, and Ben didn't scream or, or we didn't have a microphone or anything. He was yeah. just talking. We try to talk about relevant things, not not sure. really Mark of the Beast or anything like that. We're just talking relevant things that, that people would be interested that in, they maybe, need perhaps, to you know. know. Right. So right. it's kind of a creative way to try to bring back that 
fellowship of being with your brothers and sisters in the Lord that you can't get this sitting at home, you know. You can't. This is something you've got to come to. We want you to be a part right. of it. And uh, so if you can think of ways that are a little more creative, I guess, that would inspire people to want to be there, you know. And uh, we had people come in wheelchairs and cut their buses to bring them. Wow. And uh, I was, I thought they wouldn't come, but, man, they wanted to come. They didn't want to miss. It's not that big a deal, really, if the people are receptive to it, you know. And and this is a brand-new Culver's, and they were very, they were very receptive to it, you know. So That's I think cool. in times like these, just having it like you've always had it may not be incentive enough to get those people that – to break the comfort factor, right. I guess, of, of being at right. home, to promote this fellowship that you need to be, we want you to be with us, you know, and uh, maybe calling your service something different than just Bible study. What not? I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm not sure what it takes to break that, or whether you can break that, but but break that bondage, that that, that yoke. Yeah. Uh, but if you can find creative ways to inspire people to want to be a part of something, be around, you know, and mm-hmm. do things and, and what have you. It, uh, we, we take the police department here in this area, this whole section of police department. And, uh, we provide in the, in their trunks, we provide uh, cases of coloring books and crayons, and we provide all the stuffed animals for every police car. Uh, we have a little ribbon around their neck that has this provided to you by first Bible church. And because when they have kids in traumatic situations, their parents should be taken to prison. They give them a stuffed animal of some wow. kind. If it's a girl, they give them a coloring book, set in the back of the police car, and they can color a sticker book right. or what have you. So the police, if the policemen have that, they provide it themselves because the city doesn't provide it for them. Mm. So if they have anything like that, it's they bought it. We provide every police car has it in the trunk of the car, you know. So it takes a lot to get it all done, but people can bring in bring in coloring books are cheap. You can buy them crayons sure. at Dollar Tree or whatever, you know, sure. you can buy stuff down what new ones, not used stuffed animals, not, right. not big, huge ones, but, but smaller ones, right. you know, right. of stuffed animals, which you can pick up. They're not expensive, but it gets people doing something that's a little creative, you know, that's going to go help kids and help policemen, you know, that, that when children in traumatic situations, they've been hurt or their dad's drunk or what have you, you know, and, and it just, Brings a little peace to them, you know. To it's a diversion for them. Maybe yes. they're going to be taken to social services. We don't know where yeah, they're going to be going, you know. Yeah. But anyway, we've done it's, that. It's and, uh, it's a it's a time that we have to be flexible. Yeah, we can't just keep pouring offerings over people's heads. <laughs> you know, we have to be flexible from just saying, "Well, yeah. bless God, this is the way that we've done we've it for years." Like that, we've yeah. always had it. Yeah, but I I, I can just tell you. That that uh, some have gone by the wayside. Yeah, but there is some really starving people out there. Oh yeah, this is a great opportunity. The, I think we the are church, yeah. the darker the night, the brighter our light yeah. needs to shine. Yeah. yeah, and so you know we just want to encourage you today to to be very Absolutely. very intentional and engage with your community. My dad years ago felt the call to preach, mm-hmm. and. His pastor wouldn't give him the pulpit. Yeah. He said, you're not ready. He said, find something else to do. Yeah. So he went and bought these two megaphones and an amplifier and a microphone pl- and put them on the top of his car and drove through the community preaching the gospel. Yeah. You know, blaring out all <laughs> through the community. It was he, he would 
he, he didn't go into the, the big city or town. He yeah. was in, in a smaller community. Yeah. And he said one time he was preaching away and an old mule just come out and braid <laughs> right at him. And, you know, but um, one time he was at a church and uh, a man come up to him and said, are you the, the minister that used to travel around with the bullhorns and preach off yeah. the top of your, you know, shouting at, you know, he said, yes, sir. He said, because of you, I came to know the Lord. Is that right? Yeah, I was born and again because of you. And, know. you know, guys saying, well, I don't have a pulpit. I don't have anything. Yeah. Well, go find a culver somewhere. Get yeah. you a Bible study. Yeah. Find a way. Yeah. There, there's There's got to be a way to minister right. in this right. hour. Right, right. There are hungry people, and they will pay they attention. They are. You know, get up, you know, but almost get up on a stump or wherever. I, yep. I heard people say before, well, they won't give me anything to do. Sweet Jesus, there's a whole world out there with something <laughs> to do, you know. You don't have to have a job description. You know, you can, you can if you have it in you, you know. If you don't yes. have it in you, you're going to no. want to, you can no. find an excuse for not doing it. Right. But if you have something in you that you really, really want to do, you know, then Go find some way to get it done, you know. Find a way. And it may not take yeah. a lot of money, but you may have to invest a little of yourself into it to, to get it done. So it's a, it's a, Beautiful thing when you see people, yes, uh, sir, come together to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. You know, man, you know, Mary was, Mary was was very castle minded. Or Martha was very castle minded. Mary was very kingdom minded. Right. She loved her castle. She loved her house. You know. Sure. And and, and but Jesus was starved to death, waiting for Mary to cook. You know, <laughs> she wasn't no cook. Martha would cook and and and. Send her in here to help me. You know, I need some right, help. I got right. boiling water. I got all this going on. And it's just, she's chosen the better part. That, she, it, it, that what she's doing will never be taken from her. But Jesus would have starved had it not been for, for, for Martha and her, and her castle. I did. She loved her castle, but Mary loved the kingdom. Now people say, "Well, you got. We need more Marys. We need more Marys." Well, if the castle is the type of the church, we need people who love the church and will take care of the church, mow yeah. the grass. You yeah. know. Keep it clean, change the baptismal water, take care of the church. You need somebody castle-minded, but yep. you need somebody kingdom-minded too yes. that, that cares about the kingdom of God that will look further than just the castle but look all the way to the kingdom. It's a combination of kind of a Mary Martha type thing, right. you know, that you don't need one without the other one. Because Absolutely. One, if, if, if you're not going to take care of the church, what, what's a kingdom going to do without, a, right. without a castle? That's right. You know, the castle will go run to pot, you know, and the windows will be broke out of it. So you've got to have a kingdom, you've got to have a Mary Martha relationship in your church. And some people have money to give, you yes. don't have any time. Other people got time and they don't have no money. So you've got to take what a person's got to give, you know. Right. And that's, that's why our church succeeds. You take what the person has got time to give. Some people are gifted, talented. Some people want to sing, can't carry a tune, you know. Some people want to play the drums because they heard their little boy with a spoon on a table and thought he was pretty good at it, you know. So <laughs> they want him to play the drums. But you got to weed it out, you know. you got to uh, weed yes, it sir. out. It's a constant sure do. struggle. Well, yep. you, Bishop, I sure appreciate your insights as is always appreciated very much. I, I'd like to ask you one more sure. question. Um, and that is, we're living in an hour where there's so much change that's going on, so many people embracing things that yep. they used to not do. And uh, I heard uh, a young minister, matter of fact, it was Zach Hammond that said this at a youth conference just, just a few days ago, is that, this generation doesn't necessarily need to throw away what, what our forefathers had as far yeah. as convictions, but we need some convictions of our own. Mm -hmm. What do you think and what do you see about, 
the, the key is to building personal convictions. Mm-hmm. We have we have corporate convictions. We've got convictions our our standards in a church, a local sure. assembly. Uh, we got standards in an organization. We've got culture that we're dealing with. But when it boils down to individual, personal, this is for me. May not mm-hmm. be for you. Yeah. But this is for me. Yeah. Talk talk about developing that mm-hmm. before we go today. All right. Uh, I'm of the opinion that uh, I think John uh, was the disciple whom Jesus loved, mm-hmm. and he was with him uh, for his entire ministry. He leaned upon his breast, and he heard the heartbeat of God. Yeah. He listened to the blood gurgle through his veins before it was ever shed. Yeah. Jesus loved him. Peter wasn't. He, it wasn't. He, he loved Peter. He didn't love Peter. He did, but Peter didn't. He was not as easy to love as John was. John right. was easy to love. And when Jesus was was being crucified, he sent John home with his mother. Mm-hmm. Now he had other brothers and sisters. I don't know what they thought about it. Right, Mama's not coming home with us. She's going <laughs> home with John. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but she'd go home with John. So because he knew John had convictions, and he sent sent Mama home with John. She got to hear the stories about about shepherds coming and no room for them in the inn, swaddling clothes, and wise men from the east. I'm sure. Right. I'm sure. He got all the details that mm. have been left out. Choirs of angels singing, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Mary told about her difficult journey to Nazareth, you know, and wrapping him in swaddling clothes and how much she loved him and how they had to flee to Egypt because he was going to be killed and all the struggles and hardships that they went through. And he lived with him for three and a half years. But he never really did know Jesus because they... they they couldn't kill John. History tells us they tried to kill right, him, couldn't. Right. So they put him in a boat, shipped him off across the Aegean Sea to an old rocky crag over there called Patmos. And one of the definitions of the word Patmos is my killing place. And uh, John Surly, his old 80-year-old leg, stepped off of the bow of that ship onto that old rocky crag. Mm. He knew, boy, this will be it for me. This will be my killing place. But it really wasn't a killing place. It was a revealing place because mm-hmm. he wrote the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ wow. in a place he thought was going to kill him. Right. Thought was his killing place. But really, it was a revealing place. Yeah. Revealing means to uncover. Right. right. Because he uncovered Jesus and saw him, who he was, and what he was, and he wrote about it. Mm-hmm. To get convictions will take more than just hanging around church. And, you know, these young men, young men, need to experience something that they think is going to kill them. may mm. not kill you, but you may think it's mm. going to kill you. Think it might, you, find yeah. a, you find a man that you admire or respect, chances are he's been to a killing place. Mm-hmm. Been to a killing place. So, so killing places are revealing places. Yeah. It shows you things you didn't see just walking with him and hobnobbing with him and eating with him and sleeping with him and leaning on his breast wow. and listening to his mother. You know, he didn't write that until he's an old man. Right. You know? He thought you'd have wrote that a long time ago, you know, about who Jesus was. It's called the revelation of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ or the right. uncovering of Jesus Christ. It's really where you get convictions that genuine. I'm talking about hardcore convictions. I'm not talking about what your daddy told you. I'm not talking about what your mama said it was. Right. I'm not talking about the, the, because here's the problem with it, with that. In fact, what you will see many times is, is, is young men who have taken their dad's church. It's not very long till the wheels come off. 
Yes, sir. And they've taken it in another direction. Yes, sir. The reason being when your daddy's voice is not there any longer, and that's all you had to build your convictions on. Wow. You start listening to other voices because your daddy's voice is no longer ringing in your ears. You start listening to other voices, competing voices, compelling right. voices, right. big church voices. You start listening to them, and you surrender any sense of conviction that you had because your daddy's voice is not there any longer. Mm. So when your daddy's voice is gone and your mama's voice is gone, you need to have developed some sort of sense of conviction and values in your life mm-hmm. that go beyond your dad and mom mm. and what was told you by, by your predecessors, you know. You need to have some personal convictions that develop in you through trials and tests and hardships. And, and because without a killing place in your life, I'll be just point blank, without a killing place in your life, I'm not sure you have values and convictions that will stand the test of time. When you get Man. to a place that you think something's going to kill you, it may not kill you, but you think it's going to kill you. It's mm-hmm. going to break your heart. It's mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna tear you apart inside whatever it is you're going through. But during that time, God will uncover Himself to you and show you what He really is, That's give you good. a sense of convictions that will not leave you in the mm-hmm. dust of your predecessors. Because when your predecessors are all gone, and there are no more voices speaking into your life, you need something deep down inside of you yes. that endures the test of time. Yes. Not when your daddy's not there to say it. Any longer, you start listening to other voices. Oh. Let me, let me, let me. Just having personal convictions is important to keep us from being swayed by the opinions of others or automatically obeying them. Someone with no personal convictions will be wishy-washy, indecisive, and easily led astray. When a crowd says, "Let's all disobey God," it takes someone with personal convictions to stand up and say no, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, because when they told them to bow down or they're going in the furnace, right. they said, we're not careful to answer this. We don't, have to, we, we don't have to go off and, and, and have a discussion about this. No. Shadrach, what do you think? Well, what does Meshach think? You know, This is about personal convictions. We're not careful to give you an answer. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to come to some conclusion about it. So if you, to, if you know what you believe yeah. before you get to that moment, exactly. you're not going to bow. Exactly. You're not careful. It's yeah. not, I, don't have to, I don't have to craft some kind of situation in my life that exempts me from this or it'll be okay if I bow because everybody else is bowing. Yeah. But when you have personal convictions about that, about worshiping no other God, when that's, you don't have to be careful with your answer. It just right. spurts out. Yes. We're not going to bow down. We're not going to do it because we know our God is well able. But even if he doesn't, if he doesn't save us, we're still not going to bow down. Right. That's convictions that's wow. born out of a killing place. Yeah. Yeah. They'd already died. They'd right. already died out, out to that. To that. To that. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Had our minds made up yeah. when you drug us out of where we were yeah. into this land. Wow. Our mind, we're not have to be careful to answer you. We don't have to loophole it. Yeah. We don't have to try to figure out a way to get around this, you know. We don't have to no. write it down like an insurance policy. We don't have to be careful with this. We've had our minds made up when we got here. This is what we were going to do. Mm. So we're not careful. And even if God doesn't come, we're still not bowing down. We're just not going to do it. That kind of conviction comes from the unveiling and the unshrouding and the uncovering 
Because I don't think you backslide from the uncovering. Once God shows no. you something, gives you convictions in your killing place, you don't backslide from that. So if we just got convictions from passed down, when that voice is gone. Yeah, yeah. You're subject to other voices. You're subject now. to any other, because you, you respond to conviction by voice rather than unveiling. Yeah. So our challenge is then, Lord, send us to the place of unveiling that we may see you, and if once we see you, yeah, we're never going back. We never go back. Never go back. Never. So go you back. can fellowship with him. You can listen to preaching. You can listen to CDs and tapes and all this kind of stuff. But generally speaking, if you find somebody that you admire, you admire their ministry. They've already been to the killing place. Whatever it was, yes. it may be different things, you know, but sure. different places in their life. But it'll be a place that at least they thought was a killing place. When even when Saul. You know, when, when or as Paul, when he got the Holy Ghost, it didn't straighten everything out for him. He still nope. didn't understand everything, nope. you know. He, he had the first five books of the Bible down, but he didn't understand how Jesus fit into all those things. That's why he hated everybody that was in that way. You know, in the way you're giving Jesus, how does he fit into the first five books of the Bible? How's he the, how's he the priest? How's he the sacrifice and the priest? Right. How's he the altar with the fire in it? Yep. How's, he the, how's he the labor with the washing? Right. How's he the seven golden candlesticks? How's he the showbread? How's he the veil? How's he the Ark of the Covenant? How's he the pot of manna? How's he Aaron's budding rod? How's he, the, how's he the, the, the tables of stone? How does Jesus fit into all that? You know, and his mind was clouded about how they put all this together, you know. But he didn't go. He said, now, he could have went to Jerusalem, and Peter would explain it to him. But he had gotten his convictions from the voice of another man. Mm. And rather than that, he went to Arabia, which means a desert place. He had to sort some things out. He went to a killing place. Wow. And he sorted it all out because he said, I did not get this from flesh and blood. Nope. This was not some somebody told me because I'd just be an echo of what Peter said it was. So I could have went to Jerusalem, rounded up some of those 12, because I was born one born out of season. You know, I'm, right. I, I become an apostle, but is on the road to Damascus. And I'm still trying to sort some of this out in my mind. Yes, sir. So when he got it sorted out, he's willing to die for it. My, man, that's powerful, Bishop. That is so powerful because we're, you know, you, you see that a lot of times things that have been handed to someone, yeah. they've never had to work for it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, they can lose that touch until they realize their own killing place mm-hmm. may look different. Yeah, exactly. It may look yeah, different. Sure. And 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 it should mm-hmm. because this is a different season, yeah. different times, right. a different person. Right. But you know, nobody lines up for the killing place. No. There's not there's not there, the boat's not full of people wanting to go <laughs> yeah, there's to the bat, the, bat, bat, or, or, you know, or uh, hey John, I'm gonna go with you. Yeah. You know <laughs> no, I, nobody I, climbing the grave with you. No. Yeah, that's as far as the people will go with you, you know. Wow. And uh but I think the convictions you get from that are personal, not hand-me-downs. Yeah. Personal. Wow. I mean, you have that. Well. Bishop, I appreciate amazing. that. And well, we, we we have really enjoyed this today. Well, it's and my we pleasure. Could, we could go on and on, but I'll just put it like this. We're going to do this again and sit down with you and, and talk to you about ministry and life and preaching and and uh, so thank you so very much for being with us today and uh, letting us talk about the kingdom things with you. And uh, we appreciate you very much, Bishop, and thank you for being with us on Kingdom Link Podcast. Well, thank you, Pastor. It's my pleasure to be here and uh, share with you and your perspectives. We all come from different places, you know. Yes, sir. We all come from different places. There's a man named Stanley Fish. He's an old lawyer. 
He wrote a book called The Baggage of Life. Mm. And all through your life, you will collect baggage. Mm-hmm. Some from here, some from there, some from mm-hmm. there. Some from there. You remember where you got it from, you know. Right. And then you need to unload it. Right. Carrying a lot of stuff around that's just weight. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, Lord bless you. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you, Bishop. We appreciate it. We'll do it again. All right. All right. We were so honored to have that interview with Bishop J.H. Osborne. I I know we were blessed, and I I hope and pray that you were as well. We thank him so much for taking the opportunity and the time out of his schedule to be with us because, like we said before, we believe that he's just the epitome of what we're trying to do here on Kingdom Link. He, He is being an older minister, but he is such an investor into the next generation. And all you preachers out there that have been listening to this, you're welcome for all the sermon ideas and and all the messages that you get from this. So all we ask is that you know you just that you like, that you share, that you get the word out about this podcast. Because with doing that, when you like and share and uh, you subscribe to our podcast, that helps get the word out. And we want to help get the word out to as many people as we possibly can. Because here at Kingdom Link, we believe that leadership only matters if it is passed on. Let's go pass it on today.